Good morning, Vineyard Florence. It is so good to be with you on the first day of spring. Isn't that odd? Yeah, let's hear it. I know that could change in about 10 seconds, that feeling and the weather, but it is here. And I'm just really thankful. Someone uh, said this morning just about the spring, the end of a fast, like things changing. And we're in a series called Things Can Change. We're in our 11th week of this, and we're going through the book of Mark, and we're just talking about how um, when we hear the, the voice of the Lord and that Jesus is always wanting to speak to us, that things can change. And we're coming off an all-church fast. For those of you that are maybe joining us for the first time or joining us, join us online, um, if you've been at home this week, um, let's just, um, I just want to celebrate. If, if you like whatever this week, let's give it to the Lord this week. Since we did an old church fast, Lee, if you participated, just thank you. Or if you prayed this week, thank you. Whatever it is that you gave up this week for whatever time, I just want to thank you because I just felt that the Lord was moving on people's lives and hearts and doing a lot of stuff. And I, I think it was a good week. It was challenging, but it was really good. And it's cool that when we, um, it says when we share in his suffering, we share in his glory. And we want to be a church that, um, that looks and acts and thinks and moves just like Jesus. Just like Jesus, that's the only point. Like I love that, uh, like Lucas said, we don't want to bring too much attention to these moments, but we want these moments to like spur us on to the things that God has for us. Because that's what it really is, right? Isn't it? It's, it's kind of Jesus everything or Jesus nothing. If we compartmentalize and we in our lives think that, well, we can be this here and Jesus there, or that we can have it like this here, that we can have this little hidden thing here, and that we're going to experience Jesus there. It's, the thing is, Jesus says no one can serve two masters. No one can. And it's not saying we're going to be perfect, but is like, is the posture of our life one that is surrendered more and more? Is it one that's leaning out of the world and into the kingdom? Or is it one that just says, hey, I want to have it both ways? Because the problem about having it both ways is we'll wind up usually having neither. Because I've, I've found, and this is a word for someone I think, I think a lot of Christians, if you've put on Christ, you're going to be very, very miserable um, in sin, right? It won't be as fun to you as it is to your friends. Like an affair, drugs, alcohol, whatever, these things will not be as fun to people filled with the Spirit of God as they are for those who are just, who don't have the Spirit of God. There'll be nothing in it. And even for those people, it winds up getting very empty and trapping them and pushes them to their wits end until finally they're like, hey, we need something else too. But, but for a Christian, the one who kind of lives in that place of trying to do the hokey pokey to have one foot in, one foot out, you know, it winds up becoming just a um, terrible exercise in futility. And so if that's you, if maybe, maybe this week, that, that, that fast, it, it stirred up like, I, I found out the last couple of days like, I can just be an irritable dude. Since Friday night, I have been a brat. I've been short. I've been irritated. I've been tired. And I'm like, geez, what's going on? And I'm like, just like, you know, and I'm aware of it. Like, I'm just, I'm just you know, pissed for nothing. And I'm like, and he's like, that's because you got an anger issue in your life. You got stuff in your life that's not surrendered to me, and you're not very patient. And this food stuff is revealing that thing that a lot of times you cover with making yourself feel a certain way. And that's the importance of, of a fast, is we, is we eliminate like the need issue and we get to some of the other base issues that food and other things cover up. 
And so that's, that's been the, um, the move for me this week. So um, I'm looking forward to, I'm like my speed talk because I'm so hungry. I'm just kidding. Um, no. no, we're going to go till three and then we'll eat. Just kidding. So Jesus, I just ask you to come. I thank you for who you are, how you are. I thank you that um, you care, that Lord, that you do turn graves into gardens, that you've turned our lives, Lord, that you're willing to turn our lives into something precious. No matter how much we've messed up, how far we are, how much we've failed, maybe people are beating themselves up for not making it through this week, or maybe something else they didn't make it through this week. I just pray that there would be a great dispensation of your grace on this congregation this morning, that people would walk away feeling fuller than they felt in a while and freer than they felt at the same time. Pray you'd bless our fellowship and our time, and we just pray for those uh, uh, with us online as well, and we just bless every household represented here and, ha- and house groups that are meeting today too. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone ever heard the term or said the term, seeing is believing? Yeah. It's like that's one of those things that's pretty common, a uh, little common-ism, euphemism that we use in our culture, like seeing is believing. And um, have you ever had one of those moments where you wanted to believe anything else but your eyes showed you something different? Do you have a hard time with trust? Are you a natural cynic? I tend to overanalyze everything. I tend to, a lot of times want to see it before I believe it, because I'm a cynic, because I like to quantify everything and make everything empirical and subsets, and I like math, and I like uh, quotients and results and that sort of stuff. I have a hard, and one of the things that I realize is a lot of times I have a very hard time accepting love and giving love because I tend to live by what I can quantify. If I don't feel it in the moment, I don't feel love. If I feel it in the moment, I can love. And it's like, I've, I've sensed in this fast this week, like God's trying to move my heart away from what I can see into the world that's more real of what I can't see. In our reading today, we're going to pick right back up on one of, other Jesus, one of Jesus' others other miracles of food. So um, there was, we read earlier in Mark that Jesus fed the 5,000. When we said the 5,000, that's basically probably 20,000 plus because they were just counting men. That's how they did it. So there was 5,000 dudes. So you imagine these people are traveling with, to see Jesus. The husbands were the food providers, the protection providers, you know, like the care providers for their families. So where the husbands went a lot of times, their families would go. So these people would have their kids, their wives, their, their uh, you know, whatever, their extended group with them. And so when Jesus fed 5,000, he probably fed 20. And then we see here that there's, there's another miracle in Mark chapter 8 where Jesus had just fed 4,000 men. So again, we're probably 15, 20,000 people. And again, what's really interesting about like the provision of food here is that, um, again, the disciples are caught empty-handed and stupefied by Jesus feeding the crowds with seven loaves of bread. Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. And a lot of times, we don't move, we don't change until we see God move in a way. And it's not just seeing. A lot of times, it's got to be the way that I want to see it, the way I'd prefer to see it, or the way I think it should come. And so a lot of times, that can trip us up 
by having to see it a certain way. You ever heard someone or maybe you're a person say, I just tell how it is. I'm just honest. Well, the problem is a lot of times you're full of crap. And so you're telling it from a lie, from a broken perspective, and you're just espousing true lies. Or you're crap, right? Oh, I just, I, I just like, like to put it out there. I just always want to tell the truth. If you always have to preface everything you say, well, I'm just being honest, most people aren't going to believe that you're honest. Because the rest of the time, what, are you, like, duping me? Seriously, like, like for years, I'm just like, I'm going to tell it like it is, guy. And they're like, one time I just felt like, well, what if what it is to you is not what it is to God? Because the heart is deceitful above all else. And David says, I could have spoke the truth, but instead I refrained. Like there's times when um, Jesus could have spoke the truth. He didn't feel his back was up against the wall. He didn't just always have to tell it like it is. Jesus was like, if you tell me this, I'll tell you that. Or it said Jesus looked at them and said nothing. He was truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. And the disciples are still looking for some empirical evidence when the guy had already fed 5,000 men and their families with a kid's lunchable, and now they got a, like a bunch of leftover loaves from Panera. They got seven of them, seven baguettes, and Jesus is like, what do you got? So let's look in Mark chapter 8, verse 11 through 21. It says, and the Pharisees came out and began arguing with him, demanding from him a sign from heaven to test him. So these Pharisees are following Jesus all around. So they're watching him feed people, but then they're trying to trip him up on theological stuff. Maybe you have people do that like in your life, that like they're just looking for you to fail in some way. It doesn't matter the other 167 hours a week where you're serving the Lord and being faithful. Oh, well, that, there you go again. There you go again, or there it is. So these guys are looking for something, and they demanded a sign from him, from heaven, to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation demand a sign? Why? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to this generation. In Matthew, in the corollary uh, passage, we see in uh, Matthew 15, 39 through 16, 12, where Jesus says, goes as far to say, an evil and perverse generation seeks a sign. Jesus tells Satan in that confrontation in the fast, he says, do, in Matthew chapter 4, he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says, I think that there's something about Jesus here that I'm learning like, in my life. Jesus will not generally acquiesce to our demands. He's the king. He's the king. The king doesn't generally acquiesce to the demands of people that aren't, are, aren't that are the subject. He's unrivaled. And yet they're demanding a sign. He says, a perverse and evil generation wants a sign or demands a sign. Again, uh, in leaving them. So Jesus just walked away from them. Do you know you do not have to prove it to anyone that you love God? What I've really learned is this, just, it's, it, this is about me and Jesus. When you stand before God, and I've said this before, Jesus is never going to ask you, 
How did your parents treat you? How did your foster parents treat you? How did the court systems treat you? How did your spouse treat you? How did your siblings treat you? How did your bosses treat you? When we stand before the Son of Man, everyone's going to give an account, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? There's no victims in God's economy. And we have such a victim culture. We have such a victim's culture. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying racism's right. I'm not saying that like the inequality uh, uh, between men and women in our society is right. I'm not saying all the hush-hush stuff that's gone on with a lot of like, like the child abuse. I'm not saying any of that's right. I'm not saying what's going on in Russia and like the Ukraine is right. But in God's economy, there's no victims. Like if you are in Christ, you're a victor. And he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do? Maybe you were given a little. Maybe you were given a lot. Maybe you didn't come from the family some of us came from. Maybe you don't have some of the proclivities or the genetics or whatever. But he's just going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? He's not going to let anyone off the hook. He's not going to let anyone off the hook. And he's going to say, did you love me back with the love I gave you? And I know that's really unpopular. I know it's really unpopular because, you know what, Jesus hates racism. He hates sexism. He hates all these things. But he's going to say, how did you personally respond to my gospel and live it out? Because if you live as a victim, you're never going to be able to deliver my kingdom when you're demanding that, some, that justice comes your way. When you're demanding a sign, when you're demanding some food, when you're demanding that this works out your favor or retribution, Jesus says, that's never going to happen. And a lot of us are climbing the wrong ladder because we're trying, because we're victims, or we want justice, or we want this and that. And Jesus says, Why don't you seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness? And all these things will be added unto you. A lot of us are missing out on the justice God has for us. A lot of us are missing out uh, like on the promotion or on the change, on the growth, on the healing, because we're demanding a sign elsewhere. And Jesus says, just come after me and watch what I do. Does that make sense? So we're, we're totally missing it because we're looking. Pharisee says, show me here. He's like, dude, I just freaking fed people. Like, when's it enough? Well, Lord, well, I just see this. There's so much inequality. And I, my body feels this way. And I, my heart feels this way. And he's like, you're looking in the wrong direction. Look at me. Like, I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, I see Jesus Christ as I see the sun. Not that I directly see the sun, but by it, I see everything else. So we're not, the sun's 93 million miles away, but it's like by the sun, we see everything else in God's creation. And when we look at Jesus, we distill everything the right way. Look at Jesus and you'll find the answers to your sexuality. Look at Jesus, you'll find the answers to your marriage. Look at Jesus, you'll find the answers in, 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 in singleness. Look at Jesus and you'll find the answers in growing up, being a teenager. Like being a teenager is hard. And there's a lot of competing voices and peeps like, there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there. And there's a lot of stuff yelling on social media, yelling on social media, and yelling in your culture. But man, if you just want to look, find out what the answers are, look in here. This, like the Bible, I heard once, one time says, is the basic instructions before leaving earth. You know, like if you want to learn how to cook, look up some Julia Childs or Betty Crocker and you'll start to figure it out. Then you improvise. Like if you want to learn how to live a Christ-like life, just start looking in here. Start in the Gospels. And don't demand a sign. Everything else is frilly and flashy. And Jesus says, I'm here. 
So they demanded a sign. And leaving them again, he embarked and went away to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to take bread. And they did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. Next slide. And he was giving orders to them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they're like, uh, is it because we forgot to bring bread? Is that why he's talking about leaven? <clears throat> no, he's getting ready to do a miracle or had just done some miracles. And he was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And, and I remember several years ago I was uh, sitting it was like probably the most glorious, quiet time of my life. I was sitting in the jungle in Costa Rica next to a waterfall. Got that picture? It was pretty tight. Yeah, just sitting there. And I was kind of sitting up high. And I'm just reading my Bible. And I turned to Mark chapter 8. And it said, beware of the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees. And you want to talk about Kairos? Like, this hit me in the eyes like like a Mike Tyson uppercut. I mean, I mean seriously, it was like this, this, this big punch to my face, and it was amazing, all the stuff God showed me that day. And uh, that's pretty good Mike Tyson. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll do a four more uh, later next time. But, um, but the Lord said, beware, is, in the Bible, it says, beware of the, the yeast of Herod and the Pharisees. And he's like, beware of... Uh, Beware of religion and politics. And I was like, ouch. It was election year. You know, I was really fired up, thinking about stuff. And the Lord said, man, you're too glued to where this world's systems are going. Beware of that yeast, because that thing's infecting your entire life. It's infecting your entire viewpoint. You're, 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 you're focusing on the wrong group to make the changes in the world. You're focusing on the wrong group to have the impact. He's like, I would rather you focus on me and you be the change. Because here, here's the thing. I think that, um, that I think the reason we lean more into religion and politics than into biblical faith is that it's easier to trust what we can do than to trust what he can do. It's easier to figure it out. It's either easier to quantify. Well, if the Republicans get in office, this will happen. The Democrats get in office, this will happen. Listen, do any of them keep their promises? Come on now. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, they're all fallible people. If you've been in politics or you follow politics, like, they're all people. The thing is, Jesus never changes. And Jesus told them to beware of this. They were all kind of stirred up. Well, we don't have enough bread. He's like, don't worry about that. The thing I want you to center on is the thing you can't concern with. Don't follow these guys. Don't worry about what Herod's saying. Herod was the king. He was the uh, political leader of their nation at that time. And the Pharisees were the religious leaders. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of, like, we, we live in podcast city, right? Like, you can get a teaching on anything and everything. There is a lot of, there's a lot of crummy teaching circulating today. I mean, I think that there's so much, um, there's great stuff, but the stuff that gets all the clout is all the, is all the, um, 
There's a lot of the stuff that like circulates more than anything often. It's just a lot of the stuff that everyone wants to hear. And Jesus, it says, uh, like in Peter, in those end times, people will look for preachers that tickle their ears. And so sometimes you might walk out here and say, oh, that didn't feel so nice. I'm going to pop in this. Well, and that's okay. And I'm not saying I always say everything perfect, but I I just want to be a person who preaches the word, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because, like, the the thing is, is I want to be changed by it. I want it to be Jesus everything, not Ryan some of it. And so if we just go by, by the word, it's just like life, right? Aren't there rainy days? Aren't there dreary days? Aren't there sunny days? Aren't there times when you're working really hard and then times when you take a day off? Aren't there times of vacation? Aren't there times of marriage? Aren't there times of death? Like, life has a lot of ebb and flow. Church is not always going to be this um, touchy, rosy, cuddly sort of thing. There's going to be times when some of the things are harder than the others. And I know that here in this politics stuff and, like, this religious stuff is hard for some people. Politics, friends, will never fix this world. I'm not saying that we don't want to, I'm not saying we, we want to be a communist country. I'm, I'm just telling you, like, like communism, I'm just going to pick on that. Communism is the child of atheism. If you ever wonder, like, if you're saying, oh, well, I thought you're not going to talk. I'm not, like, telling you who to vote for. I'm telling you, if you're ever wondering if communism goods, look at root, look at fruit. In every system, where, in every country where communism exists, God is not allowed to. Communism is the child of atheism. It's the, it, it's the political system of atheism. It's godlessness, it's dictatorship, it's brutality, it's cruelty, it's, cruelty, it's a few ruling the masses to conform to their image of what the world should be. Like a very utopia. But, the, but like um, these systems will never fix the earth. Was Jesus capitalist or socialist? I think you see both. I'm just saying it. There's stuff where Jesus, the disciples shared everything they had and everyone had enough. Okay, whether you like it or not, that's in the book. There's also times, like Jesus says, hey, don't, don't give under compulsion. Work hard, earn, save, spend, share. Use what I gave you. Use the equipment that I gave you and watch what I do. So Jesus, he, all these systems. And, and so there, but po- politics, plain and simple, will never fix the problem. George Orwell even said this in, in, in his book, uh, in his book 1984, he talks about it. And he basically um, suggests in a loose, loose quote that all systems are broken, unbalanced, and corrupt. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that. And, and now they might not all start off that way, but they all end up that way because we're fallible. And I think that um, a lot of times we get too set on the plan that we miss the man. Mike Bickle says, when we focus more on the plan than the man, we, we miss the man, Jesus. Like the disciples that day were worried about the plan. How are we going to feed everyone? The Pharisees were like, man, we got to have a sign. And Jesus was like, just look at me. Beware of them. I'm not going to talk to you guys because you're annoying to the Pharisees. The disciples, beware of them. And he's like, just look at me. I got this. I'll feed them. 
I'll do my thing. See, Jesus wants us to put stuff in our hands and trust him. Whatever your life's position is, that's why I talked about the victim thing like at the beginning. No matter how hard it's been, Jesus says, because a lot of times we, we feel like I gotta clean myself up before I go to church. I gotta put on my Sunday best, I gotta spiff up, I gotta shave, or I gotta clean my nails, or maybe just put deodorant on for the first time this week. Just, I'm gonna go Paul on you. Not the Lord, but I. It's always a great idea to wear deodorant in public, okay? Just always a great idea. If you're ever wondering, you know, I don't know, is God telling me? I am telling you, and I hope for him, it's always a great idea to wear deodorant, okay? Uh, but you don't have to clean up your life to come here. Deodorant is welcome, but perfect people are not demanded. They're not expected. No one's expected to be perfect, but it, do we take what he gives us and offer it back to him? But Jesus says in doing that, take fully what I'm giving you and cut out some of the other garbage. Because he was getting ready to ask the disciples for bread. Let's go back to the Bible passage. Where we were. We got that back up? Okay. And... and and then uh, Jesus was aware of what they said to them. He said, why are you discussing the fact you don't have bread? Do you not yet comprehend or understand? Do you, still have, do you still have your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see? Having ears do you not hear? Do you not uh, remember what I already did? Next, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets were full and pieces that you picked up? They said to him, 12. When I broke seven for the 4,000s, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? They said to him, seven. He was saying to them, he said, do you still not understand? And I think a lot of times in our lives, Jesus will do, he'll, he'll, he'll break in time and time again. And he would say to us, do you still not understand? And a lot of times, I think we do not still understand because we're too glued to the yeast of Herod and the Pharisees. Now, I talked a lot about politics. Yeah, the yeast of Herod, plain and simple, is, uh, it's politics. And the uh, religious thing, as Jesus would say, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, would say, like, your religious things you feel like you have to do to make me happy. Like, maybe you have to put on your Sunday best. Or Christians don't do that. Christians can't do that. I shouldn't watch a rated R movie. Well, you should probably watch The Passion of the Christ. That's a rated R movie. I'm not saying you should, I don't know, like watch Porky's. I'm not saying that. I'm, like, I, but like you should probably, but I'm, I'm just saying like you, you want to use wisdom. You want to use wisdom. And it's like where is the spirit leading you that day? Now Jesus isn't going to lead you into sin ever. But I, I want to be willing to do anything short of sin to win people to the kingdom. Anything short of sin. To, and I'm, I'm a person, I told us to staff the other day, like I, I've really like, about a year, a couple years after I got saved, someone pulled out in front of me, I was test driving my car and I flipped them off. <laughs> and I felt so bad about that. I'm like, well, I felt the, the spirit just convict me. I'm like, Christians shouldn't flip people off. Um, well, several years later, I meet this guy, Al. 
Al's what you would call a ruffian. Al was um, my friend Dan's friend, and Al would just kind of come around, and Al was this kind of, you know, what, what you just kind of think, just always, like, looked like he rolled off the construction site, like, just, you know, kind of guy, just a rough guy. You know, he talked rough, he acted rough, had done, like, a little bit of time in the Navy even, so talked like a sailor and all this stuff. So Al was one of these guys. And, like, I remember Al um, came to our friend's house, house one night, the first time I ever met him, and we were over there, and I'd kind of made a vow I wasn't going to drink. I just felt like I was never going to drink because my family didn't drink. My dad's family, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of problems, and I thought, I'm not going to drink at all. So one night, it'd just been a long summer, a long time, long week, and we get to our friend's house, and Al is there, and my friend, she made this picture of like pineapple something tea heavenly alcoholic drink. And she's like, Ryan, do you want something? And she'd always ask. No, I didn't drink. She wasn't like tempting me like, here, do you want some booze? It was nothing like that. But they were just kind of people who would have good parties. Uh, and I'm like, I'll take one. I <laughs> just like, you know, and I hadn't drank in years and years and years. And I had an alcohol drink. I just had one. Wasn't a big deal. Maybe four hours later, I had another one. And that was it. And Al was there, and we were just talking about stuff, and, um, and then we started seeing them more and more. We'd go over to their house a lot of times on Friday nights and swim and have our, uh, decide, have our house group uh, over there. And, uh, you know, Al was the kind of guy, he would grab me and hug me and squeeze me as tight as he could and pass gas <laughs> just to trap me there. Like, this, this was Al. And I remember fast forward a couple, uh, maybe about a year or two later, Walking out of our, um, like out of our youth building, uh, uh, this vineyard church in Kansas City, we had a main building and this youth building in the back. And we walk out, and, and my friend Dan's, uh, his oldest daughter was, was in the student ministry on a Sunday morning. And he was coming over to get her, and him and Al were coming. And across the parking lot, Al looks at me and gives me the one-finger salute. So what do I do? I give it back to him without even thinking. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, buddy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put it up all the way because someone will be like, you're a terrible human being. And, and I probably am in a lot of ways. But, but I just kind of, and, and, and he comes up to me and gives me a big hug. And I just said, hi, and that was it. And um, fast forward, a couple months later, Al gives his life to Jesus. And he tells his sister and he tells our friend Dan that at that point in time when I flipped him off, he felt like he could belong at that place. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, if the pastor can flip me off, then like, this is the great church for me. I'm like, so everyone was like, hey, like, it was nothing like space balls. Like, you know, um, it wasn't that, but it was just something that like, we kept telling Al that look, Look, we love Jesus. Jesus is normal. Jesus is in our everyday stuff. We love Jesus. Jesus is normal. Jesus is in our everyday stuff. And at that point in time, I don't, I had not flipped someone off in 20 years, friends. 20 years. I had not. I mean, I was very conscious about it. And I'm not saying that's like the evangelist. So don't go to your neighbors and be like, hey, guys, Jesus loves you. You're number one. Like, you know, don't, don't do that, okay? Don't. Just don't. I, I did not. I might get in trouble for this story. Talk to the board. Uh, you can blame it on them, the board. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The board hired me. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> but it was one of those things where um, just some of my, like, religiosity, the Lord started, like, cracking through it. And that first time I had a drink to that first time, like, what he just saw was a normal guy who loved a normal God, and he thought, maybe I can belong here. And now, granted, when around people are drinking, I don't ever, I'm, I'm never going to, getting drunk is a sin. I'm going to tell you that. It is a sin. It's sinful behavior. If you get drunk, like, that's, that's not God's plan for you. It's okay to drink. Now, it's not okay for some people to drink because that leads them to drunkenness. Okay? Some people are very all or nothing. I tend to be one of those people. There's some things that I'm just like, I got to steer clear. But I'm just telling you, it, to me, I had a pharisaical view because I never had an alcohol problem. But I made this thing, and I put my wife in bondage, people around me sometimes in bondage because I had my own views of alcohol. But that one night where I just kind of let it go a little bit, as Elsa once said, I was able to, um, it was weird, it witnessed to a guy. And then one day, just broke my rule, my rule number one, <laughs> um, and God ministered to a guy. And I think, like, here's the thing, is Jesus, Jesus wants to meet us where we are. He wants to meet us where we are. But there's a lot of things that as we're conforming to the image of his glory that he wants us to be aware of. He wants us to be aware of. And we look at this, like, I think Jesus... Um, what we see here is one of the biggest obstacles for us to sometimes change, heal, or grow is that we look for the plan or we look for the sign and we miss the man. We want to get orders from headquarters first and we want to hear God. We want to hear God. We want to hear God's voice and then we want to respond to it. And I typed this up wrong, so don't show, show the slide with the triangle. Like, sometimes, like, a lot of times we look for the plan and then for the purpose, like, uh, then the provision. But really, in God's economy, we look for the, when we look for the purpose. What are you doing, God? Who are you? What am I here for? When we get our purpose right, we then get our plan right, and then we see how he provides for us. And if you do any of those out of order, it's going to be messed up for you. If you look for the provision first, well, God, if you show up, then I'll go. No, usually when we go, he shows. So we get the purpose first. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? And then what's the plan? And God's not always, he's not going to reveal himself in a way, God will not usually answer like our demands, but he will meet us in our desire. So if you're demanding something from God, like, God, I will not turn unless you do this, he probably won't. Or he may not for a very long time because he has other plans than that. God will generally meet us in our desires way more than our demands. And he'll meet us in our delight way more than our demands. So maybe you need a sign from God. Just maybe just sit with him and delight in him and watch what he shows you. God, change my boss, change my wife, change my mom. Watch, as you start to delight in him, he'll probably show you change, and then as you change, I bet they'll change. He says a corrupt and perverse generation, and a foolish generation looks for a sign. He says no sign will be shown it except for the sign of Jonah. We all know how that ended for Jonah, right? 
sat in the belly of a whale for a while, stunk like fish guts, and a very long couple of days. So where do you need more trust in God's purpose, plan, and provision in your life? Because this is really, I think a lot of times we're, we demand a sign, and Jesus is like, why don't you just show me something first? Because he says, when you seek me, you'll find me. When you seek me with all your heart. That's why we go first. Like God's always drawing us. He's wooing us. He's calling us. He says he's given us enough evidence. But um, he's not going to, he's not on demand. It's not like you turn on the TV and you get whatever you want. But I can tell you this. If you, if you and I will learn to delight in God more, if we desire God more, he will show himself more. Because you always show more of yourself to someone you're close to, don't you? Right? People you live with, people you've lived with, like they know the real you. I've heard someone say, oh, he's, they're, a great, they're a great guy or gal out here, but at home they're a jerk. Well, they're probably a jerk. <laughs> right? Like, I, I have a way easier time being nice here than I sometimes do to my wife and kids. Because I'm a fallen guy and I need Jesus. So this week, just want to encourage you to uh, think about, like, God, where, where do I need more delight in my life? Where do I need more desire in my life? Where I need to trust you more? Because Jesus is like, dude, I've fed you before. Like, just look back. Maybe if you're struggling, look back at the times he's been faithful. He's never fallen. He's never faltered. No, he doesn't always show up how I like or when I'd like or how I'd like, but he will always show up. It's like that adage, like God is rarely early, never late, but always on time. So in your life, where do you need to see, where, where do you need to press in maybe a little bit more to see some kairos? Where do you need to let down some of your religious stuff, some of the garbage maybe you've carried in? Maybe if you come from a different background, where, where like maybe, you know, like where's some of this challenging for you? Some of the theological stuff or maybe some of your political stuff. Where do you need to lay that down to experience what Jesus has? I'm going to pray. And then we're going to baptize people. So if the worship team wants to come out, they're going to play. I'm going to change. Not into the picture I showed you on uh, Christmas Eve Eve, but some regular tr trunks if you're here. Um, so, Lord, we just, we just bless you. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for this week. We thank you for who you are, how you are. We thank you for where you are. We thank you for when you are popping into our lives, Lord. I pray that this would be a, just a season of kairos for everyone in this church. That, Lord, that we will not, we cannot demand anything of you. When we desire you and we delight in you, Lord, you start answering the desires of our heart as they, as they start to conform with what you have in mind. You start to show us stuff, Lord, when we show up. You start to speak to us. Lord, I pray that we'd be a church that would seek you so we can find you. And that you would just move in mighty, powerful, and beautiful ways. We thank you for this Easter time and for spring. And Jesus, we just bless the food. We bless the food, the hands that made it. I pray that you would just bless it today in our fellowship. And uh, thank you for people getting baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, um, if you want to get baptized today, maybe we said something. You're like, man, that just changed my heart, changed my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. We're going to... Uh
the baptistry. Um, and people that are getting baptized, if you want to go get changed too, but um, we love you and bless you and have a great week.